This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, folks. I am on to chat tonight with uh, Broad-Minded Resonator. Uh, that is Tony's uh, assigned name. It I, I would have rather been a broad-minded influencer. Well, I'm not really sure what a resonator does. I guess if you resonate loudly and long enough, you become a... Uh, Resonant. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was not sure where I was going to start the show tonight. If I wanted to start with what happened this afternoon, and then after reading some commentary on it, I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I, I wonder what you read. Oh, just a little birdie told me a few things, and I read some other birdies, and you know. So, again, we haven't talked since uh, February 1st, so we, we missed the Super Bowl, and we'll get to some of that because I have some comments, and we'll see what that means. But today was the second... Uh, vote in the Senate on impeaching, well, removing from office President Trump already left office. Uh, and not surprisingly, there were not two-thirds majority to get that through. So he cannot, he was not removed from office, even though he left office. He is not barred from uh, seeking office in the future. Uh, whether or not that actually happens, he, he still has that option open to him. So I'll let you start, Tony, because I, I have some thoughts, and I'm sure we have some similar thoughts. But we may have different thoughts, so go ahead. Well, first of all, I watched absolutely none of the circus. Now, right. I did I did watch probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes of various clips of the house manager's devastating case. And then I did see uh, segments of the video that Trump's team played as part of their closing arguments, which I actually thought uh, there was a lot of criticism of them based on their opening statements, which I didn't watch. Uh, people said it was incoherent and not very good. But the video that they showed at the close uh, was, I thought, pretty excellent in terms of just the absurdity that it pointed out uh, in the house manager's case. So let me look, let me hmm? see. I've got. I got a shortened version of that. I don't have the whole thing, and I have some of it's from the Trump war room. Let me play that for folks at home so that if they didn't hear some of this, they can hear some of this. I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. The vast majority of, of the protesters have been peaceful. Republicans stand for law and order. And we stand for justice. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. And maybe there will be. My administration will always stand against violence, mayhem, and disorder. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. I stand with the heroes of law enforcement. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. We will never defund our police. Together, we will ensure that America is a nation of law and order. We're in high school. I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. But I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. I feel like punching him. We just want law and order. Everybody wants that. I want to tell you, Lord Dutch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. 
you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We want law and order. We have to have law and order. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. We believe in safe streets, secure communities, and we believe in law and order. But the way I see it now is that we pick ourselves up and we fight back. That's what I think it's all about. We stand up and we fight back. We do not back down. We do not compromise. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. You can either lie down, you can, you can whimper, you can pull up in a ball, you can decide to move to Canada, or you can stand your ground and fight back. And, and that's what it's about. We, we do fight back, but we are going to fight back. We are not turning this country over to what Donald Trump has sold. We are just not. Look, people are upset and they're right to be upset. Now we can whimper, we can whine, or we can fight back. Me, I'm here to fight back. That last one was Elizabeth Warren uh, on Rachel Maddow, uh, 2017, I believe that was from. Go ahead, Tony. Well, so you could you could go on for hours with that stuff. Uh, so look, I think the takeaways for me have always been, I'm I'm not at all convinced uh, that trying to remove someone who is no longer president and is a private citizen in a proceeding which the chief justice of the United States as constitutionally mandated, if you're removing a president would preside. I don't think it's actually constitutional to even have this exercise. Now there's in, in fairness, there's, there's other viewpoints. They've pointed to some precedent that this has happened a long, long time ago with public office holders, but nevertheless, we knew this was going to happen because I think when Rand Paul forced the jurisdictional question, meaning can can the Senate actually constitutionally take up these issues with Donald Trump no longer in office, there were, I believe, 45 Republicans, uh, or I think pretty close to that, yeah, 45 of them who said it's not constitutional. So the minute you have that vote, uh, you know that the die is cast. There's never going to be a supermajority to convict. So the whole thing was completely pointless. But I will say, in terms of the substance, and this is what fascinates me, uh, it, it actually isn't fascinating because we've seen this repeating over and over. You have this incessant claim now that folks like our friend, who I'm sure we're going to discuss, Dr. Fia, uh, have just accepted that it's been proven that Donald Trump incited incited the riot. Well, Again, in my world, facts matter, uh, not just emotions and spewing forth whatever the Washington Post or the New York Times has decided is going to be the narrative, because the two most salient facts about that claim are, number one, Donald Trump specifically said in the midst of his speech that he wanted peaceful and patriotic protest. He explicitly said that, and nowhere in the speech did he call for any type of insurrection. Now, you just played a montage with Numerous Democrat politicians in various contexts, including Chuck Schumer standing in front of the Supreme Court, calling out individual justices by name and saying they're going to pay the price, talking about fighting, talking about fighting like hell. There's I mean, they played 20 minutes of that. That was the language that Donald Trump used as well. If for some reason that is now inciting rioting, then pretty much every person in the Democratic caucus needs to be expelled from Congress. That was the first point. And the second issue is, and I think this is actually even more significant, there is now a lot of information, a lot of facts that we have, that much of what went on on January 6th had been pre-planned. 
It was pre-planned. It was an operation that was already underway while Donald Trump was still speaking. The obvious question becomes, how is it that someone is going to incite a riot that was already premeditated and ongoing while he was still up at the lectern? I don't really follow that, but maybe I'm just not a nuanced enough thinker. I don't know. <laughs> you are obviously not nuanced enough. Um, but I want to deal with a couple different things. So I, I probably watched more of this of the hearings than you did. Uh, I did watch some clips and I played that clip there. Uh, I, I think th the fact that we still, this uh, public and our friend still looks at the impeachment and the Senate trial as legal. Some things they are political. We've talked about it over and over and over again. These are not legal proceedings. Okay. Uh, you pointed out that the chief justice by constitutional provision is supposed to oversee the trial. He did not. One of the individuals voting for conviction or acquittal was presiding over the trial, which makes no sense because that's like the judge being part of the jury. It doesn't make any sense in any, any other well place you'd look. But what I, what struck me is this was all about emotions. Representative Raskin, we were told his son died right before this happened. His daughter claimed she didn't feel safe at the Capitol. I understand why she didn't feel safe at the Capitol. I understand why she didn't want her father to go back there. But I'm not sure what his son dying has any in any way, shape, or form have to do with what he says. They are not the same connection at all, but that's what kept put, being put out there. He was doing this for his kids. Okay. I also contend, based on the AOC information that came out well, since the last time we recorded, uh, i.e., she wasn't at the Capitol. She was at the Capitol complex, I guess, technically. She was nowhere near any of the rioters, yet claimed she felt her life was threatened. And remember, we talked about, she said Ted Cruz tried to have her killed. Right. So or, you know, but she well, wasn't. And then, and then the Capitol police who were, were checking on her, uh, she wondered whether they were there to assassinate her. She Correct. has a very she has a very rich inner fantasy life. Well, and and that's the that's the part for me. So, what it, what struck me is this was all about emotion. This wasn't about proving any case. This wasn't about improving incitement to riot. This was I felt threatened. Therefore, somebody has to be responsible. And the little people who did it aren't big enough to make a national audience. I can't get a name for myself. I want to talk about how this made me feel. Okay, you felt threatened. You felt insecure. You felt like your your livelihood and your well, your livelihood, but your your safety was was threatened. All that would be true. The rioters should not have rioted. They should not have done what they did. But to your point, if there were pre-planned elements to this, whether it was the whole thing or some of it, you can't cite it after the fact. Now, our friend will say. But all of his rhetoric afterwards, and if you looked at the seven uh, Republicans, six of them have made statements the last time I looked. The, the last one, uh, Collins had not made a statement as to why she voted uh, for impeachment. But they all had a similar theme, which was he, he, he meaning Donald Trump, did not accept the election results, and he put forth lie after lie about what had happened. One of them even cited the 60 cases that have been tossed out. Again, parroting, we've talked about this, parroting what 
really was never, nothing was ever adjudicated. So having them tossed out doesn't mean they were ever actually examined. It just means that due to procedural reasons, they were not, not adjudicated. All those reasons were put out as the reason why I voted for impeachment. My question becomes, and again, our friend Dr. Fia is still putting his list together. I'm sure he's adding to that list. This week he put out another list. For the record, I'm putting this list together. As if anybody's ever going to come back to John Fia and say, hey, do you have that list? Nobody else in the world has it, but do you have that list so that we can have it for the record? Well, it's a good look, though, isn't it? It's always a good look to make lists of your enemies. I, I vaguely remember there was a kind of a kerfuffle about that a while back uh, with the whole, you know, Red Scare and Senator McCarthy. And for some reason, I was under the impression that people like Dr. Fia thought that was bad. Making yes. of lists, making of enemies lists, publishing them, insinuating that they're, you know, some, I don't know what he actually thinks should be done. Well, he's just memorializing it. That's all. Maybe for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. I don't know. But yeah, suddenly suddenly making lists of your political enemies is good. Yeah. It's on the side of truth and justice. So that, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I want to go through some of this because, the, as you said, the, the vote was a foregone conclusion based on what Senator Paul had uh, gotten them to vote on before. Well, before just before you go through everything, I want to make one comment about what you just said, which is, yes, the rationale from all of these people is that, uh, and I think Dr. Fia would say this as well, he may not have specifically said that he wanted them to riot, but you have to put it in context because he had made all of these people very, very upset with all of his lies about voter fraud. A couple of things. First of all, we're supposed to uncritically swallow uh, the idea that this election was pristine, pure as the driven snow, there's no fraud, nothing to see there, move along. That in and of itself is a lie. So the fact that the media has been blacking out, preventing anyone from suggesting that there was all manner of shenanigans going on, which is documented. Now, if you don't want the ability for someone to say the election was stolen, I wouldn't say that. What I would say is there were incredible irregularities across numerous states that were testified to in sworn documents in the form of affidavits, over a thousand of them, and the very nature of mail-in balloting, and we've talked ad nauseum about this, it, it just is an invitation for fraud. So the very idea, which again is a form of gaslighting, that somehow this election was impervious to any problems, and in fact it was the greatest and bestest and most secure election ever, is completely absurd, and it's just pure propaganda. But the second point is these people that are saying that, you know, Donald Trump acted irresponsibly. Okay, I agree with that. I think I think a lot of what Donald Trump said in the aftermath of his loss, even if he legitimately believed it was taken from him, and I suspect that may very well have occurred, even though I can't prove it. You could say it was irresponsible. You could say, as usual, he was exaggerating, that he was saying things that weren't factually based. Here's the thing, Chad. That doesn't rise to the level of an impeachable offense. And if it does, then all it really means is any time that I can point to my political opponent and say, you've said something that I think I disagree with and it makes me unhappy. It's now nothing more than a political cudgel. And that is not what the founders intended for impeachment. So the entire argument that, well, he spoke out of turn and he should have known it was irresponsible. You can you can agree with all of that. And it's not close to what would be justified to establish impeachment. And again, words have meaning. Incitement 
has a legal definition. There's nothing close to that, which is the reason they have to ignore that nothing like that was ever said. And in fact, Trump said the opposite when he told them to be peaceful. And what we do is we just gin up. You talked about emotion. The emotion remains. We hate Donald Trump with every fiber of our being, and therefore we will use whatever means and whatever mechanism we can to destroy him. And what people like Dr. Fia are now doing, including the media, is claiming, oh, and it extends far beyond Donald Trump. Anyone who supports him, anyone that we can point to that went to one of his rallies, anyone who has a MAGA bumper sticker, you're all complicit which is a really, really poisonous thing uh, to be promoting. And yet that's exactly where we are. All, all very true. And um, so Dr. Fia said today he's not proud to be an American today. He's embarrassed. Yeah. He's embarrassed to be an American. So I, I want to I delve into that, that thought process for a second before I go further. So we've touched on this at different times when we talk and when we talk about equality at least from from a leftist standpoint equity there is no equality anymore it's equity chad correct equity equity of outcomes now if you don't understand what that means it means if i if two people do the same thing the same job they should each get paid the same they should have the same career path they should have the same trajectory they should retire equally with the same benefits that's not real. That's not real anywhere. You, you can take two people, you can take two identical twins, go into the same field. They will not have the same career because we are individuals. But we're, what you're hearing is we want to make it quality for everyone so that no matter what you do, who you are, and i.e., if you're considered a minority or an oppressed group, Therefore, we should build you up and give you a helping hand so that you don't have to have the same outcome that you would normally have based on your perceived uh, insignificance. Well, but I think but I think it's actually more insidious than that. That's sort of the one side of it. But what they're really saying is the more pernicious part of this is we any outcome where there is a disparity, meaning someone has made more money. Someone has gotten a promotion. Someone has been accepted to Harvard and someone hasn't. Anywhere where there is a disparity, and of course we understand the human condition, guess what? Some people are born into wealth, some into poverty. Some people have more physical attributes than others. Some people are smarter than others. Some people are harder working and on and on and on. But what the left now says is, what the Biden administration now says is, any result where there is a difference and of course, what we're going to determine the difference is we're going to look at what race people are. So we're going to segregate people by their tribes. And for instance, if we see that an African-American person has not done as well on a test or has been disciplined more in school or has not achieved the same as a, a white person, the only, the only acceptable answer for why that has occurred is because there is systemic racism. There is injustice, there is oppression, and therefore we must rectify that. We must make it more equitable. By the way, what that means is, as we've seen, for instance, at Harvard and Yale, where they're excluding 
flatly discriminating against Asians who are far more qualified is because there's just too many of them. And so we need to come up with an artificial reason why they should not be permitted to attend these schools because equity, quote unquote, demands it. It is a Marxist idea. It's the idea that we don't focus on individual merit or equality of opportunity and try to ensure as best as we can a level playing field. We use the power of the state to engineer certain outcomes. And if that means that we have to be unjust to people who are in the bad groups, read white people, then that is okay because ultimately that injustice leads to equity. It is a, it's a disastrous and wicked idea. And it always will be. So going back to Dr. Fia's statement, he's embarrassed to be an American. The question becomes for him, and if he was listening, I would ask him this, would you have been embarrassed to be an American had the Senate voted to remove Donald Trump from office? Had 67 senators voted to remove Trump? Would Are you, you kidding? Be he'd be the proudest. He'd like be a proud papa. So the question then is, you're upset with the outcome because it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. You're only happy and only proud if you have the outcome you desire. So I'm not an Ameri- I'm not proud to be an American. I'm, I'm embarrassed to be an American because I didn't get what I wanted, what I thought should happen. See, that's not how the system worked. Whether you like the system or not, and whether you think he should have been on trial in the first place is a separate discussion. But the process worked the way it was supposed to work. You have the, the impeachment in the House where people tend to be a little more inflammatory. That's the designation. And the senior body, the Senate, judges whether or not that is truly the, the case. This is exactly what happened. The process worked as it was supposed to, and the outcome was not the outcome you wanted because it should be very, very difficult to remove somebody through an impeachment process. It should not be easy. It should not be a 51-49 vote because that makes it too easy to, again, hold your political cudgel and beat somebody over with it because you don't like something they said. And because the Constitution is a, a little vague in high crimes and misdemeanors and doesn't really spell everything out, therefore, it could be whatever I want it to be. So understand when you're seeing certain people say, well, it was, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I can't believe this happened. I, let's make the list of the people who didn't vote for the way I thought they should vote. You can keep your list. That's fine. But the, the process worked. You should be proud as an American that the process worked. Regardless of the outcome, it may not have been what you wanted. Same thing with the election. I'm not happy about what happened in the 2020 November election, but it happened. Now, to your point earlier, I don't know statistically if it would have mattered if there wasn't some sort of thumb on the scale. Maybe it would have. Maybe it wouldn't have. But again, to say that nothing untoward happened is an outright lie, and it makes you it makes anybody question whether they should believe anything else you have to say. If if your own eyes show you something doesn't look above board, then you start to question why should I listen to anything else you're you're spewing, since that's obviously not the case. Now, d- why would you put your finger on the scale if you thought you were going to win? The reason is you don't think you were going to win. You think it, there's a shot that Biden wasn't going to win, so you try to tip the scale. And I'm, I would, Chad, there was an entire piece, apparently, um, I think in Time magazine 
that was supposed to, I've been reading sort of summaries of it. I, I don't really, I don't read Time Magazine. Um, but the article was crafted in a way that was supposed to be laudatory of all of the efforts behind the scenes, uh, the synergies between big tech and the Democratic Party to get Joe Biden across the finish line. And again, they were, of course, lauding all of this. But what this article documented is exactly what you've just been talking about, which is this unprecedented and, in my view, completely unethical attempts to, for instance, bury news stories that were bad for Joe Biden. That was that was part of the agreement, right? This sort of cooperative network. We're going to keep the bad news to a minimum. We're going to use lawfare to make sure that we lessen ballot integrity as much as we can at every place where there's voting, which means, of course, not just same-day voting and you don't need IDs and you don't need signature checks. We're going to expand the possibilities for fraud as much as we can. All of this admitted as a concerted effort, which they are now proudly saying, this is how we won. Well, this is exactly the point. Anyone who looks at that from the other perspective and says, gee, that's incredibly troubling that we had all of these groups of individuals who were attempting to get Joe Biden into the Oval Office by any means necessary. That's not how elections should operate in this country. Now, Dr. Fia and the rest of his progressive pals can can cheer that they have removed the bad orange man from his throne of skulls. That's great. But the idea, and this is this is what's going on now, where he actually believes that America is an embarrassment because it didn't, as you said, produce the outcome that he wanted. Facts be damned. Procedure be damned. It's just about, I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to fling my sippy cup. And anyone, by the way, who disagrees with me, there's no such thing as a good faith disagreement with him anymore. It's you're either a mindless Trump zombie or you are malignant, meaning you are cynical and you are lying if you had the temerity to disagree with the outcome or actually agree with the outcome of this impeachment acquittal. And it's an incredibly arrogant, incredibly arrogant position, particularly for a guy that never stops talking about the fact that we need to have pluralism and we need to have mutual respect. And I agree with all that, but he is incapable of displaying that when it comes to Donald Trump. He just, he just can't do it. Well, and I, th I think he's not alone there. I, 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 one of the tells of his posts this, uh, today, I think was Jamie Raskin, a humanist seems to be doing the Lord's work. This is again, the same. Right. And why is he doing the Lord's work? Because he's opposing Trump. It's a, it's a unified field theory. You can guarantee that you're doing the Lord's work. If you're doing what Dr. Fia wants, which is make sure you oppose Trump and all who support him. That's the litmus test. That's all you need. And I think that's where it, it comes down to me. So, uh, let me pull this up. Dr. Uh, Senator Richard Burr. Well, I want to talk about two senators. Uh, Mitch McConnell and Richard Burr. So Rand Paul got the Senate to vote prior to the impeachment trial or prior to, yeah, impeachment trial to determine if this was constitutional for the, for the Senate to even have this trial because the president had left office. Yes, and he fell, there was, he fell five votes short. Well, actually six, there six. was 45, correct? 45 Republicans who agreed the entire process was unconstitutional. Okay. So, Right before they started the trial, again, they voted and determined that, you know, it wasn't 
it was constitutional, that they felt it was constitutional. So this is the rationale that Richard Burr, who's planning to retire in 2022 and probably a few years too, too late. He said he voted with the, with Rand Paul, but when it came time to vote on the impeachment charges today, he voted to impeach and, and remove uh, Trump from office. Well, I, sh- I keep saying impeach. He, he was already impeached. Remove him from office. He cited that the Senate had said it was constitutional. And our friend, Dr. Fia, points this out. And, and I say, whoa, 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 whoa. If I read my constitution, I, I don't know which one you're reading, but if I read the U.S. Constitution. I have the evolving constitution. Yes. Only the Supreme Court can determine if something is constitutional or not. They can, only they can determine if a procedure or a law is constitutional. The Senate can vote all they want. It doesn't make it constitutional because the Senate voted for it. See, that's how the system works. Checks and balances. You can pass a law. Somebody can have a lawsuit. It goes to the Supreme Court. They decide to see it or hear it or not. And if they determine it's not a constitutional law, then it's struck down. If they determine that it is, then it stays. And therefore, the precedent goes from there. So the Senate voting on something and saying, we have a precedent now because we voted and said it was constitutional. That doesn't make it constitutional. So well, there's no he cited he he cited some uh, fantasy concept known to him as Senate precedent, which doesn't exist. There is no such thing as Senate precedent. So, yeah, his his entire position is completely nonsensical, where it's basically I believe that the entire process is unconstitutional. However, because a number of my co-senators enough of them decided in their own view that it was constitutional that we move forward. Now I'm actually going to vote to convict Donald Trump in a process that I do not even think can actually go forward. Um, it's, I, I equate it to, if you want to use like a silly example. So it's like, he would say, um, I believe that kale marmalade is unfit for human consumption. And then the Senate votes and says, no, Kale marmalade is edible. And then he immediately decides, actually, given that the Senate has decided it's edible, I now believe kale marmalade is delicious on biscuits. Like it, it's, it's complete nonsense. What he should have said is, I still believe it's unconstitutional. We went ahead and had this sham proceeding and I'm of course voting to acquit because we shouldn't even be discussing or determining this, but whatever. And that's essentially what Mitch McConnell did as well. Well, so the background here of Mitch McConnell. So Mitch McConnell says he voted with Rand Paul and said, I don't think this is something we should be able to do because the president has left office. You can't remove somebody from office who's not in office. So why are we having this trial? So when it came time for the, the vote, Mitch McConnell was quoted as saying, I think the, they proved their case that he did incite the riot, but I voted against uh, conviction because we shouldn't have been able to have a trial because he's out of office. So Thea praises Burr and condemns McConnell because they were on both sides of that. And they had, they came to that conclusion in different ways. Uh, I would contend you're in the Senate. You get to vote how you want to vote. And, and it, again, it's not an actual legal trial, you know? So we, we keep getting this, this conflation of ideas, this is not a legal trial. This is a political vehicle, plain and simple. If you censor censure a, a 
representative or a senator, it's not a legal conviction. It doesn't mean now you 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 can't vote somewhere else. You can't carry a firearm. You got censured. Okay, that means the rest you're not on the you're not at the big table for Thanksgiving dinner. You're sitting at the kids' table. They're they're mad at you. That's what that means effectively. It doesn't mean it's it's meaningless in life because nobody cares. You got censured. That means you got yelled at by your boss. Okay, which is, happens to be your peers. This is meaningless. The rationale for it is either you think he did what you said he did, and the only thing he said that you did was he incited the riot. The whole the rest of it. I opposed the the results of the election. I thought I was robbed. I I got other people to think I was robbed. Whether that they thought that or not, seventy four million people voted for me, and therefore they thought it was probably not the right instance. The reality is, what you tried to prove was that Donald Trump incited a riot. Now I want to bring up one other thing before we move on. There was there's a rumor going around, and Doc, and Representative Herrera from Washington State said she was on a call with uh, Representative McCarthy from California, the minority whip or minority leader, and Trump. And he said what was said effectively, hearsay, is because she was never under oath to, to comment, was that she heard the president was supporting the rioters. He was in support of what they were doing. Now, that's not inciting. After the fact, it's not the same as inciting. I want to be clear on that. So saying he was supportive of what they did doesn't mean he gave them aid and comfort. It doesn't mean he incited them to go do what they did. Maybe he was happy with how they performed, even though he knew it was probably wrong. And, and if he didn't, it doesn't mean he incited, which is the article of impeachment you passed. You didn't say he gave aid and comfort. He he didn't diminish the, the risks and he didn't keep things from escalating. That's not what you put in the articles of impeachment. It was simply... Well, and the reason they didn't put that in the articles of impeachment, because think of how ridiculous that would be. So let's even assume that this hearsay version is correct, that Donald Trump either thinks or expressed the idea that uh, I was fine with the rioters. So now you're going to impeach a no longer president for what exactly? We're we're now literally in the realm of crime think. Okay. Absolutely. So you expressed uh, solidarity with these bad people, and that's an impeachable offense, even though we can't establish that you ever incited them, ever asked them to do it. So they're independent agents. They did it on their own. But but we have looked deep. We have looked deep into your soul and you thought it was okay. I mean, this is again. I think that the people like Dr. Fee would say that's absolutely impeachable. And so what we're now doing is we're engaging in thought crime policing. That's yeah. that's going to be sufficient. Boy, think about the fun you could have with that standard. I, I wanted to make one other comment because going back to what Dr. Fee has said in his reaction. So not only is he embarrassed uh, by America, he's embarrassed to be an American, but he also said something interesting. Um, that he felt betrayed by evangelicals. Yeah. Now that is that is a very curious formulation to me. And what I mean by that is the personalization of that for him is quite astounding. Meaning, Chad, you and I have expressed repeatedly on this program, we're both Christians, we're both politically 
conservative and probably theologically conservative as well. And so, for instance, I take issue with people who are Christians or not Christians who, for instance, favor unrestricted abortion on demand. And we've gone through the litany, right, the dichotomy of these issues. Now, I would express myself by saying um, perhaps it's disappointing that people who are Christians do not have a problem with the Democratic Party platform on abortion or who are bought into the LGBT trans agenda, which I think is destructive, or um, are in a way accepting what I consider to be completely fallacious uh, information about the environmental apocalypse, whatever. Okay. But to say that you're, you've been betrayed is very strange. In other words, People that would betray me are people that would be in my family or friends who are somehow, they are harming me. They have, they have broken trust with me. It's almost as if he's elevated himself to this position whereby anyone who doesn't agree with him just isn't wrong, but they have, they have harm. They've wounded him in a way that constitutes a betrayal. Here's my question. Do you think that he would accept that kind of rhetoric from anybody who would claim, for instance, that Dr. Fia has betrayed me because of his position on Hillary Clinton for his, because of his vote for Joe Biden? He's not just wrong. He's he's betraying other people. That is a that is I think that speaks to kind of where his mindset is that he will simply, he has elevated these political disputes to something beyond. Well, first of all, he doesn't even permit good faith disagreement. If you note, I pointed this out before every person who was a Republican who voted to convict what is, what is said about them, they're principled, right? They're courageous. They have prayerfully weighed their weighty responsibilities. What is said about the people on the other side? Are they given the the same respect for reviewing the facts, for thoughtfully considering, for coming to a different but reasoned conclusion? Oh, no, no, no. They are either fools, knaves, or Trump bootlickers. They could not have possibly evaluated the evidence differently or the constitutional issues differently. They are simply uh, to be disdained. That is his entire approach. And then as it comes to with other Christians, they're betraying him. It's a really, really strange attitude. But you missed one comment he made today, which was, I feel like I did in 2016 when Trump won. Now think about that for a second. Your guy won. Yeah. Isn't that funny? The Senate. Trump is not in office. And he was not convicted in the Senate for the second time for, for trumped up charges, not to use the term Trump. But you feel similar to you did as you did in 2016 when he won the election. What is wrong with you? You won. Why? No, are we must have we must have punishment. See, that's and, what it is. And the punishment must extend beyond Donald Trump. It must extend to all the people who have supported him. He, he wrote a post the other day where he cited, I think, an Atlantic piece that was speculating, why are we not focusing on the 12 other people who spoke who spoke at the insurrection event? No, no claim to even be evaluating what they said. No, no assertion that, oh, any of them incited rioting. It's just you were part of that event and therefore you are tainted and you might as well just extend it to friends and family too. 
What about the people that support those people? What about the people that go to church and actually think that Trump is okay, even if they didn't vote for him? I mean, this is this is crazy. This this sort of list making again. We're, we're now policing and we are now demonizing and attempting to ostracize anyone based only on their political beliefs or their political choices. And that is sufficient to cast them into outer darkness and to claim that anything that is bad, any actions by third parties who apparently are not moral agents on their own, that is somehow their responsibility. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> he tried to. He tried to lump anybody who voted for Trump as a QAnon supporter. I can tell you, I've tried to do some research on QAnon. It's a bunch of crazy whack jobs who think things that are the mainstream anybody would not think, let alone a rational human being. And yet, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to find a QAnon I don't know website what, I don't know thread. I, I mean, I know what it is. And I, know, and I know, I know some of their, you know, some of their, the, the theories that they're espousing that have sort of seeped into the public consciousness, but yeah, you're right. And again, that's, but that's also part of the goal, right? Which is we are going to stereotype everyone, whether you're, whether you're just somebody who voted for Trump or whether you're Rudy Giuliani or whether you're Steve Bannon, it doesn't matter. They're, you're all as Hillary Clinton would say, in the same basket of deplorables. And we therefore, we therefore do not even have to address the issues that you've raised or treat you with a level of civility that would be commensurate with someone who's participating in our democratic system. We are just going to reject you and demonize you as not worthy of even debating. Just you need to be silenced right? You need to be deplatformed. You need to be censored and potentially you need to be imprisoned. Um, and, and I don't, I don't actually think that's an exaggeration when you hear some of the rhetoric around this, where mm-hmm. people like AOC talking about this kind of stuff. And it, again, it's, it's very, very, um, it's cynical. And for somebody who purports to be a Christian, who wants to tell other Christians how their witness is suffering, how they're not really true evangelicals, Someone really needs to take a long, hard look at the kind of rhetoric that they're using. I completely agree. So I read an article this week uh, based on everything that's going on. And it was they never talk about anybody leaving the Democratic Party, but they were talking about the GOP bleeding membership. Okay, bleeding. That's always happening, right? Isn't that's all the the noose is tightening. The party is fracturing. So when I hear the word something is bleeding. I'm not saying a paper cut. I'm thinking arm, <laughs> arm cut off. Tourniquet. Get tourniquet the tourniquet. Or we're going to die. Okay. What was so, it? Like 100,000 100, people nationally? Well, I'm just going to use Pennsylvania because that's where we're at. And I have actual numbers for that. So as of February 6, 2021, the state of Pennsylvania had 3,458,241 registered Republicans in the state. Okay. In the previous month, this article, and I can't verify this because I don't have the data from before this, said 12,000 people left the Republican Party. Uh-oh, get the crash so, card. So l- l- let me let me put this in perspective. That's 0.00346%. Now, if I remember my numbers correctly, those people, had they even voted for Trump, would not have made a difference in the outcome in the state of Pennsylvania. So even if there's 100,000 people left and 170 million people voted, 
that doesn't mean if you left the, the GOP that you're suddenly going to vote for Joe Biden. It just means you left the GOP. Okay. Is that in and of itself, does that mean anything? Think back to our discussion two weeks ago when we talked about statistical analysis. You're, you're putting cause based on a single fact without any context, and Dr. Fiel loves context, any context around that number. What, how many people left the Democratic Party? We don't know because that's not being reported. How many people joined the Republican Party? Don't we don't know. know because that wasn't part of the article. Well, they also count on, and all of these kind of articles, they count on this general innumeracy, right? Where they just don't expect people to actually understand large numbers or to, as you've done, take a look and say, huh, that seems like a nanoparticle. That doesn't really seem like uh, the lead story should be bleeding, hemorrhaging, flatlining. But again, it's not really about what the facts are. Uh, it's not about a even-handed neutral presentation of that information. And look, maybe there is something to it. Uh, no, it's it's all about driving a narrative, which is every it's a crisis, collapse, disaster, flee, flee the burning building. Well, it's 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 the typical thing, and we used to talk about this many all the time. Was it was the bandwagon effect? If I can show you that what you're doing is contrary to what the majority of the people you know and the friends and family you know. Maybe I'll get you to do the same thing, positive or negative. I tell you that this is the greatest toothpaste that's ever been created, and everybody uses it. You should use it. Your doctor uses it. Your dentist uses it. Your family uses it. Are you going to try it? Maybe. So if I tell you the GOP, it's a bunch of racist, homophobic, misogynists, sure. man, I don't want to be a homophobic misogynist, so I think I'll leave the GOP if I'm already in there because I'm not really tied to one party or another. Maybe the other party is not, not great either, but I'll just leave this party. So therefore, we can put this article out. Hey, 12,000 people left in Pennsylvania. Okay. What does that mean in context? It's never explained because it's not supposed to be explained. No. You're supposed to think, if I don't do this, I'm an ism of some sort that's bad. I, I shouldn't be part of the bad. Now, well, I'm not Chad, I mean, this is so, this is a time immemorial deal. If, do you remember? Go back to when Barack Obama won the election in 2008. Correct. That was when he was uh, first elected. And there were I mean, I'm talking dozens uh, of news stories with the premise that this is the end of the Republican Party. Right. Mm -hmm. The the progressive left is ascendant. Right. The remember the demographics of destiny have uh -huh. finally arrived. Uh -huh. All of the old white men shouting at clouds. They were done. Mm -hmm. And so what happens two years later in the 2010 midterms, the Democratic Party gets demolished. Right. Historic yep. collapse flipping the house, whatever. And so, but you see these anytime, anytime that there is a Republican victory in the, at the presidential level, it's never accepted as legitimate. It's always because of, you know, whatever the Diebold voting machines, George Bush cheated, the Russians, whatever. And then, and of course this is transitory. They have no mandate. Uh, in fact, they should still do what the Democrats want them to do. Uh, just to reach out, even though we've been trying to, you know, we've been throwing napalm at them for the last four years. But then the minute, the minute that a Democrat is once again enshrined in their rightful place of power, then we hear about it's over. This is finally the time when we have crushed the wicked Republicans and conservatives. And so th this is just, they roll this out 
every election cycle when they win. And of course, every Democratic president, no matter how slim the margin, they have a mandate. They have a mandate from the people to go hard left and introduce every single crazy policy that the polls suggest the public doesn't actually want, but it doesn't matter. So this is just this is just a repeat of what they do every time they now have a Democrat uh, in the Oval Office and now they control Congress as well. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I, I would remiss if I didn't bring up. Um, how do we say this? He should be an actor because he loves self-aggrandizing and loves to see receiving awards for not actually doing anything. And that would be Governor Cuomo. <laughs> uh, the man has literally no shame whatsoever. He hides nursing home numbers, admits to hiding it to his Democratic colleagues, not sharing the information because he didn't want Trump to make a political statement out of it. Right. Um, we killed a whole bunch more people than we even admitted, but we can't be forthcoming because then that guy will actually tell people and use it to his political advantage. We can't have that. No, no, we can't tell you the truth. Truth right. might. Oh, and by the way, this isn't about telling the general public the truth, although that's part of it. This no. is literally about telling federal regulators the truth. That actually potentially seems to be, I don't know, uh, I'm not an expert in that area of the law. That sounds like a crime to me. Yeah. That's... I mean, Chad, do you think that if you ran a skilled nursing facility, let's just use this as an example, in New York, and you had some outbreak of a dread disease in your halls and in your rooms to the point where 50% of your residents died. And do you think that you could then, when you were inspected, uh, investigated by the New York Department of Health, or perhaps even some federal authorities, say, after lying about what happened, then come around and say, well, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I know, we, we completely altered the death count numbers and didn't disclose them. Because we knew that if the local papers picked this up, it would crush our business, right? Uh, it, that would never happen. You would be frog marked frog marched out of your nursing facility in handcuffs, and you would probably be spending a whole bunch of time in a minimum security facility somewhere because that's a crime. Yes. Nobody wants to talk about that relating to Governor Andrew because he won an Emmy. So yes, for communicating, it, it, they were lies, but he was communicating the lies. Right. Right. Again, the actor portion. Uh, yeah, it's it, by law, any any outcome that is outside the norm needs to be reported to state regulators. You you can't hide it. So my suspicion is all this was reported up to the state, who then shoved it under the rug. And again, didn't tell. And this is now this is now actually being reported by the New York Times. Okay, yeah. so it's it's gotten to the point where it's so bad that even his fellow travelers, uh, now they're certainly not going hard after him. I mean, can you imagine the level of coverage of this with someone they actually didn't like, like yeah. Trump or a Republican? But nevertheless, it's still actually leaking out. And, and I just have to say, because I'm always so moved by Dr. Fia's claim that he's going to, you know, he speaks truth to power. Cuomo was a guy that he has repeatedly held up as a, responsible leader, an example of what we need as contrasted with the sulfurous Donald Trump. I, Chad, do you recall, I haven't read anything, any sort of truth to power speaking, any um, perhaps 
reticence about what was written before from our friend. Now that we know that he was from the get go, we knew this already had killed many, many people, thousands of nursing home residents has now lied about it, hid those figures. The figures are probably double what they were. Have you seen any, um, any posts, any tweets about how this was bad, how this person, maybe, maybe we were wrong to lionize them and adopt them and emulate them. I, I don't know. I, maybe I missed it. Maybe he did a whole expose on it and I just missed it. Yeah. Um, put this up to the, I'm a huge lying hypocrite. Uh, put this right in, in line with Joe Biden, zero tolerance for treating people correctly in the white house when his deputy press secretary was having an affair, threatened to ruin a reporter. Oh, come on, Chad. He got a week. He got a week uh, with no yeah. dessert. But yeah, but he got he resigned today. Oh, he or, did. He did. He resigned today. Jen Psaki knew about it when it happened, covered for him. Biden obviously didn't fire him. He resigned for three weeks. This guy threatened to destroy a reporter. Now, again, I'm not a huge fan of reporters, but come on. Well, the other thing, speaking of Jen Psaki, um, did you see, did you see un- completely unsurprising? She was asked a question about whether, uh, this administration considers Saudi Arabia and of course, Israel important allies. And did you see the deflective word salad that she spewed out? Uh, mm-hmm. basically the answer is no, no, we do not consider Israel our ally. They can't say that, of course, but it, it was incredible. Just, well, we're still cogitating over the, we need to put our team together to evaluate geopolitical realities and therefore, and, and it's like a simple question. Do you think <laughs> Israel is the ally of America or not? Well, we, we, we have to consult with the UN Human Rights Council and uh, John Kerry must weigh in with James Taylor or whatever. Um, they don't consider Israel our ally. They are going to attempt to undermine Israel. Biden has not called Netanyahu because his administration is staffed with Obama holdovers who despise Netanyahu and who are monomaniacally focused on propping up Iran and allowing them to get the bomb. Now, um, that has been hindered greatly by the fact that the Mossad just took out the uh, Iran's leading nuclear scientist who was running their entire nuclear weapons program. And Mm. that's going to be a real monkey wrench for them. Yeah. Well, I think the fact that he hasn't called Netanyahu, but he's called Iran leadership of Iran tells you exactly what you need to know. They do not consider him an ally. They're not going to ever consider him an ally. Right. He's called all the, the the tin pot dictators in the world, but he hasn't called any allies. Remember moderate centrist. Yes. Reach across the aisle. Yes, I, I'm I'm here to be transparent, except circle back girl can't seem to ever actually get to any answers on anything. But we're right. transparent. I'm transparent in the fact that I will not answer your question. And if I do respond to your question, I'll treat it as though it was stupid because you're stupid for asking your we're question. We're now over we're now over what 40 or 50 executive orders in the space of three weeks, yeah. even though apparently the rule about Governing by executive orders is tyranny. That is no longer operative as of uh, three weeks ago. That was operative as of October. Um, You know, we've got a we've got the head of the DOJ who is a civil rights division, who's a woman who who literally claims that blacks are superior spiritually, physically. 
uh, because they have more melanin. Uh, I'm not making this up. That sounds like a D- Dave Barry column. That's actually the person who's running the civil rights division of the Department of Justice. So again, just remember all of this when you keep hearing the mantra, moderate, Scranton Joe, mm. man of the people. Uh, no, no, no. He is he is entirely beholden uh, to the far left, which is essentially the entire Democratic Party right now, and he will not be moderating a single thing. Yeah. So back to your executive orders, the USA Today was on that, and they fact checked that. While there might have been forty things he signed, they're not all technically executive orders. Some of them are signing statements, right? Correct. So, so <laughs> they, th- that's what they said before when Obama was doing it. Yes. Those are, they're not con- all executive orders. So when people say that, that's false. Now, I think Trump up to the point had done five. Yeah, five. Yeah, but they were really bad. They were really bad, those five. So they, they, they count for five each. So, yes. And he said, they also said that you took his comments in October completely out of context because he was talking about dictatorships shouldn't rule by fiat and by executive order, not about the United States where he was just, he was just rolling back the bad policies of Trump. That's it. Oh, he, oh, so he was saying, for instance, because I know like historically that's the way Castro and Pol Pot and Stalin, they, they just issued a flurry of executive orders. That's how, that's how most of history's actual tyrants governed, right? It wasn't, it wasn't lining people up. In other words, Castro would issue an executive order that Che Guevara would then read and say, oh, uh, Fidel wants me to line people up against a wall and shoot them. Excellent. So I get it. I mean, I must have misconstrued what, what Joe was saying. I'll have to go and reread his nuanced remarks just just a quick aside on the fact checkers and we've talked a little bit about this in the past having if you're facebook or twitter or any number of agencies it says we we went to a third party fact checker much like uh, tony's wife if i say it and tony agrees with me he fact checked what i said because he agreed with me that's all these fact checkers are. Snopes, USA Today, you pick it. They're fact checking because they already agree with what the person asking them to fact check has already asked. So having a third party fact check, it doesn't make it factual. It just means another person who agreed with me agreed with me. That's it. Yeah. And they're not even look it, the whole the whole industry is a farce. In fact, this is actually kind of funny. Um one of the, when I, I would occasionally post on Dr. Fia's blog before he shut down the comments. And I, I made a throwaway comment because he had posted something about very laudatory about, you know, these fact checkers. And then I sardonically replied that you know, the, these people are essentially their partisans who are now trying to cloak their partisanship with the veneer of, I am an objective scientific individual. No, they're not. And most of what they're claiming to fact check, if you read these it's it's hilarious because there's a uniformity where they will say things like, while this is a technically true statement that the Democrats said, when you consider the context, and then they'll provide all sorts of ideological talking points to allow them to contort themselves into saying, uh, we render we render this as a false statement. They're not engaged in fact-checking. And he got very, very indignant with me for... Um, how could I call into question 
any of these hardworking people who do this job, many of whom are Messiah graduates. And it was very troubling to him that I would have any negative thing to say about people earning a living and doing, doing the Lord's work to check whether someone is being fed. It was incredible. So I don't think there is in the mainstream media, a single fact checker that is not just as hardcore ideologically partisan as any of the actual people who are making the statements. They're just on the same team and we're going to launder the statement through these people and give it some mirage that it's now been certified. It's ridiculous. I think the best example I can give is if Nancy Pelosi says something and then they go to fact check with Chuck Schumer and he says, yes, that's factually accurate that Donald Trump is in fact uh, Satan, then it's, it must be true. And, and I forgot to say this earlier. Representative Raskin made the statement that there was a the transition of power from Trump to Biden was called into question and that it was not a smooth transition. Oh. Uh, okay. What? I mean, yes, January 6th happened, but didn't Trump leave office? And, and he still... Com- Still compared to Hitler, who did not Buddy, leave. But Chad, he didn't want to. Well, okay. I think a lot of He friends- was begrudging at best uh, and kicking his heels at worst. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, one he- other thing. One other quick thing I wanted to mention, because this also goes to the sort of uh, speaking truth to power that I love. So did you notice uh, the current, the head of the CDC, I think it's a woman. Her name is, it's like Walensky, I think. And so she came out this was probably about a week or so ago and they were having another COVID press conference. And one of the things that she said very unequivocally was that we do not need to wait for a vaccine to reopen the schools. And he, and she also addressed specifically that we don't need to wait for a vaccine for teachers to return to the open schools and teach. Now, As you can imagine, that caused great indigestion to Joe Biden and the Democratic Party because the teachers unions are essentially their largest, one of their largest donors. And the teachers unions do not want teachers going back to school. So it's highly problematic since, again, this is the party of science that the head of the CDC proclaimed without any ambiguity, no, we don't need to wait anymore. And so, Chad, did you catch what Jen Psaki then said in an effort to minimize the damage? Did you catch what she said? Yeah, this was, uh, so it was Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Yes. Head of CDC. Uh, Jen Psaki uh, walked back Walensky's comments saying they were not official guidance from the CDC. They were, they were made in her, this is the, she said they were made in her personal capacity (laughs) now. Okay. So, so let me get this straight. So you brought the woman out who is the head of the CDC to talk to the nation about COVID and the CDC's position. But when she articulated one that was problematic with the teachers union, she was suddenly just offering her personal views. She might as well have been talking about her cats. The the question that I would then ask is, number one, if she's only speaking in her personal capacity, 
Why is she actually at a press conference to address the nation on COVID? And number two, if, as insinuated by Jen Psaki, that her views are somehow inconsistent with the CDC's official views, why is she still the head of the CDC? They, of course, won't answer any of those questions because it's a complete absurdity, but that's the only thing they could say because otherwise they would have had to take the position that, well, it appears the science requires our chief donors and their members to go back to work and they don't want to do that. Uh, It's just, it's a very instructive episode. And our friend had that bit of of propaganda and spin emanated from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, there would have been screeching about lies and distortions and all of the other that you're not leveling with the American people, you're anti-intellectual, you're against science. And yet this administration is brazen enough to do that. And it's crickets. Just fine. That's fine. Dr. Walensky had previously said that schools should be the first to open and the last to close in the pandemic. Jeff Science, COVID-19 czar, said Wednesday that Biden is very clear that he wants schools to reopen and stay open. And that means that every school has the equipment and the resources to open safely and urging Congress to do its part by passing Biden's $170 billion COVID rescue plan, not just private schools or schools in wealth areas, but all schools. Right. Dr. Walensky is presently undergoing a um, retraining session at the Ministry of Truth and she will issue a Soviet-style apology for her uh, gratuitous personal remarks next week. Yeah, that, that's going to not work so well. So I want to talk about something happier. Maybe. Super Bowl? Uh, sure, we can talk about that. There was a game last Sunday, right, where somebody played against somebody else. And, there was a game. Uh, I think I was told, and, and this is no offense to anyone, uh, but there was a female referee and that somehow was groundbreaking, oh. even though she's been a female referee for years in the NFL level. Oh, but great. She did it at the Super Bowl as a side judge. Now, here was here's what I said to the people watching with me. I said, can you name another side judge? Anybody name a single other side judge in the NFL other than this woman? I can't remember her name now. I know one back judge because I worked with him, but I don't know what. The only, I mean, the only ones you really know are the head, you know, the head referee. The head referee. So the fact that a a woman who's done a fine job has done nothing wrong. She didn't, I don't know if it's groundbreaking that a woman was a side judge. Okay. You can tell if it's in or out. Okay. So here's my only question about the Super Bowl. Were you stunned at how inept the Chiefs were? I was stunned by two things. Uh, I was stunned by for the last two years, two plus years. I've heard how Eric Bieniemy is a genius, and yet the game plan that he and Andy Reid put together, or he put together, looked like he hadn't watched any film, hadn't watched the Packers game against the Bucks, because again, Tom Brady threw a deep pass with seconds left in the first half, got a pass interference instead of a touchdown on this one, but. You still didn't play it well. You didn't understand that was defense, not offense, but they didn't understand what they were doing. I was. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because that was the one that was supposedly controversial. I actually didn't have a problem with it where the cornerback or may have been it may have been a safety. I can't remember who was on him who tripped Mike Evans. But to your point, 
Mike Evans was several strides beyond their last defender. And whether it would have been off his fingertips or not, that play, if it's a good throw, is going for a touchdown. Uh, how? I, I don't know how you play it so poorly when it happened two weeks earlier. Same side of the field, same play. It's like you didn't watch any film. But Eric Bieniemy either isn't as good as he has been touted to be, and somehow Byron Leftwich is an amazing offensive coordinator, yet he wasn't amazing prior to this season. He just this season he's amazing. Well, I don't look, I don't know that the Super Bowl establishes that Byron Leftwich is and I know you're being sarcastic, but the point oh, yeah. being the, the Bucks the Bucks offense was, was adequate in that game. What yeah. the, the the entire story of the game was a team led by Patrick Mahomes with the unstoppable weapons of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and all the other track team members with Andy Reid, who is, I think, legitimately respected as, you know, one of the very, very best offensive minds in the league, a team that when Mahomes had been under center had won 25 of its last 26 games that routinely scores 40 points without breaking a sweat. And in fact, in the previous season's playoffs, had come back from what a twenty-four nothing deficit against the Texans. Like they were basically inevitable, right? No matter how how far ahead you got of them, in front of them, they were going to have an explosion at some point in the game, and it's just a done deal because you can't stop all those weapons. How that team showed up in a Super Bowl and scored nine points, not a single touchdown. Is just astounding. They didn't even get close to the end zone until a minute 41 left in the game, and then he, Mahomes threw an interception. I, I do not understand how they couldn't run. The offensive line apparently couldn't block. Well, now that is okay. So that is one of the stories, which is we, we'd be remiss if we don't talk about that. Their offensive line was essentially in tatters, meaning I believe that they had. Two guys completely out who were normally starters, but because they shuffled the line to sort of reposition other guys, the only offensive lineman who was playing their correct position was their center. They had four other guys, two of whom were not even regular starters, all in different positions. And it was clear that they just couldn't block the Bucks defensive line, which is a very, very good defensive line. No disagreement. I think they're a very good defensive line, but they didn't even slow him down. They, Mahomes, Mahomes was running for his life on almost every play. It, it didn't seem like they even knocked him off a stride where he could get anything. Rhythm. Well, Chad, here's my question going to the enemy and even to Andy Reid. One of the things that Andy Reid is known for and is known as sort of one of the most creative users of of he has many many different schemes for this is screens mm -hmm. now my question is where where was the chief screen game wasn't it? during the entire super bowl because they go in at halftime and i think what's the score at halftime it's 21 to 6 20, yeah 21 to 6 I so think. they're down 21 to 6 
they've got, like you said, they have no run game and the, and the defensive line is overrunning their offensive line. It's just a jailbreak. Mahomes is running out of the pocket, scrambling on every play. And I'm thinking, well, again, you know, as a guy who is not exactly, I'm not Bill Walsh. I'm not a NFL head coach, but I've watched a decent amount of football. And I know that one of the things that you use to blunt a very serious pass rush is you get the ball out to a back Mm-hmm. And that way, all of a sudden, these guys that have their ears pinned back realize as they're now giving up 15 and 20 chunk yardage plays because the pockets collapse. But guess what? The ball's not in the pocket. We just put it out to Hilaire or yeah. even to uh, Hardman and they're killing us. I, did you see any of that? I only saw a little bit at the beginning of the third quarter when they ran a few plays and it made the defense have to play the run a little bit when the screen would do the same thing. No, I didn't see that for Andy most. Reed has screened people to death. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember even in last year's playoffs where, and he has so many different ways he disguises his screens. And I'm thinking, doesn't that seem to be the one thing that they should be doing? Because it's very clear. And, and this is, look, this is actually a blueprint for how, if you remember when the giants, the first time with Eli, when they beat the then undefeated Patriots in that game, which is the the helmet catch with David Tyree, right? Yep. The reason they won that game, that's the only thing anyone remembers, is the David Tyree catch at the end. But the reason they were able to win that game, and that was a Patriots team that had Randy Moss and Brady threw for over 50 touchdowns that year, is their four-man defensive line completely dominated the Patriots. Yep. And it was the same blueprint in this game, except with a difference Instead of a statue like Tom Brady, you have a guy, Mahomes, who is known for being able to scramble and he can throw from different platforms. And so you're really not supposed to be able to do that to the Chiefs. But where were the adjustments? They covered Tyreek over the top so he couldn't burn them. They let Kelsey catch the ball in the middle of the field and then tackled him. And I'm thinking this isn't all that complicated. There has to be some adjustments. And it's like the Chiefs could never figure it out. I felt like the Chiefs receivers never got separation it's almost like they they ran a route but they never separated themselves to yeah give. but you know why because you're used to seeing when you see you know i've noticed this in chiefs games and you probably have as well one of the reasons that the chiefs receivers get separation is because usually it's after four, five, six seconds where Mahomes is extending the play and all of a sudden guys who were covered for the first two or three, you can't cover guys that long. And so Mahomes inevitably, oh, now, you know, now Tyreek Hill has burst open 40 yards downfield or Kelsey is shaken loose. The problem in the Super Bowl was Mahomes was running so much for his life that he didn't even have time or the wherewithal to find any of these guys. Yeah, you're I mean, Todd Bowles was lauded as this great genius, and he should get another head coaching job, even though he stunk it up in New York for the Jets. He should get another head coaching job. Well, I don't know about a head coaching job. Again, some guys are only meant to be coordinators, and Todd Bowles is obviously a very, very good defensive coordinator. No question. He he will get a job as a defensive coordinator if Arians retires, but he's not. I don't think he's head coaching. I just don't think he's got the skill set. So I want to talk a little bit more about the other side of the ball for the Chiefs and the fact that a lot of the players didn't seem they got frustrated easily <laughs> and early and made stupid, stupid penalties because they couldn't keep their, their ego in check 
especially the center for the Bucks, Jensen, I think his name was. He he was goading you people. And here's what I, I don't think it was a particularly well ref game. No. I think the fact that Jensen got the defender from uh, Kansas City to react and got a 15 yard penalty, but also Jensen pushed somebody in front of the ref and didn't get flagged. And Tom Brady runs up in front of Matthew's face and screaming at him after Matthew cut the, the interception that actually wasn't counted. Uh, and he doesn't get a penalty. So I, I don't. No, I think the Chiefs fans had a gripe, certainly in the first half, that they were calling. Now, again, I, I did not think that the pass interference on Evans was a bad call. People were saying it wasn't a catchable ball. I don't know how you could know that because the guy has two two more strides. Maybe he catches it. Maybe he doesn't. If, if he gets tripped up there, you have to call that. But what did they call in the Chiefs? Something like eight penalties in the first half for 90 yards. Yeah. Um, a lot of them, I thought were ticky tack given the way that the refs had previously meaning like in the previous rounds of the playoffs uh yeah. been calling some of those plays and you certainly don't want to see in the super bowl a complete shift in the approach where you're kind of now becoming the story of the game like you know you got to let you got to let them play but i i agree with you that i was surprised matthew in particular of how kind of unhinged he was, clearly agitated, clearly frustrated. You could see him yelling at people on the sidelines, stomping around. And I think part of it was is that the Chiefs kind of realized, like, we don't we don't know what to do here. Like, they're, they're, the Chiefs are used to being the guys that no matter what the circumstances, we have Patrick Mahomes. So what? We're down three touchdowns? We can score three touchdowns in six minutes. And it was almost as if they kind of realized that, that wasn't going to materialize in this game. No, you're right. And at the end of the day, I am not a Tom Brady fan. I realized it's not so much that I dislike the Patriots, which I do. I don't like Bill Belichick. And I don't like Tom Brady. So I don't want either one of them to win. Uh, I was not happy that Antonio Brown caught a touchdown on a on a bad route run. Apparently, he didn't run the right route and still got a touchdown. I don't want that guy celebrated because I think he's kind of a dirt bag. Not because he left the Steelers, just the way he's behaved. In general, I think he's a dirtbag, and I don't think he should get a Super Bowl championship because of it. And yes, he'd like to come back to the Bucs and win another one. Uh, great. I'm, I'm sure you would. I'm sure a lot of people would. That's that's beside the point, all that. I want to talk about what I'm happy about. Okay, what are you happy about? Happy about the Pittsburgh Steelers have a chance to go full wattage. Full wattage. You think, you think that no, Big Brother is coming to the Steel City? I, I put in the notes. Tony's going to rain on my parade, but let me have it because I, I just want to have some happiness around the Steelers. Do I think, do I think he should come to the Steelers? No, because he's, I don't think they're in a position to win a championship. Even if Ben returns, I don't think they're in a position to win a championship and he'd have to take a whole lot less money to do it. So do I think he will? No. What I you like know where is, I think he's going where Packers. I think so too. Uh, I think they, they have a legitimate shot to be there and i think i mean come on is is there a guy that if you're going to talk central casting for a guy okay now he's in he's not really in the twilight of his career the guy can still play but he's certainly not at his peak but right. him at lambo in the winter with aaron Rodgers, like that's he has to go there Th that's the hollywood ending oh, sure. for him sure I, and i think he's got a couple years left but i would agree with you i think he's on the decline and you're not building around him as a 
as a piece unless you've all got the other pieces there. And the steel. No, but he's still he's still a guy that has enough juice. Uh, and again, he's had incredible injuries, mm-hmm. just a litany, incredible litany of injuries over the last couple of seasons. But if you can plug him in and get what 11, 12 starts out of him where his motor, he's got a motor enough to give you, you know, a number of really, really good defensive series. Yeah. He, he's a guy that could be a, a difference maker for you, particularly in key games. Yeah. Um, and so if you can bring him in, he's a, I mean, he's a really high character guy I mean, I really like him. Um, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? I, I totally think you would. And I think that would make the Packers the NFC presumptive favorites, even with Tom Brady still with the Bucks. But I don't know where he's going to go. A lot of teams were interested, but all the teams have to be able to pay him. He was going to get $17.5 million at Houston. Steelers couldn't even pay him half that right now. So I don't think it's yeah. even. Well, uh, he's, not, he's not worth that. Well, he isn't. He's not worth that. And he's also not going to get that, but he's going to get something from somebody. And, and I understand he wants to chase a championship. And Houston was not not there for it. That was my, I, and I hope he gets one. I, I think he's one of the class guys in the league. I like him. Um, he's, I mean, he's he's an historically great player. Yep. He's a what he? Well, this now there's now three of them, right? Um, he, Lawrence Taylor, and now um, Aaron Donald are the th- only three guys that have won Defensive Player of the Year three times. Yep. So that's a that's a pretty elite list that he's on. It's it's a pretty significant uh, place to be. So that was my little happy thing. I want to well, go. Well, it's not even really happy. You're just. Well, uh, there's you, a chance. All I'm saying is there's a chance. That's They've right. Got- Dumb and dumber. You're saying there's a chance. All right. I got a one in 31 chance. It might be the 31st, but they've got <laughs> one of those 31 teams is going to sign up somewhere. Hey, anything, wanna- anything that keeps you happy. See, that's, um, what, matters. that's what matters. I want to talk about something I got in an email this week. And it made me think back to some other things. My wife did not want to talk about it. So I thought I'd talk about it with you. Oh. Uh, you're going to give me grief anyway, but I'm going to say it because I, I feel the need to do this. So I, I look at whenever I get something or I read something, I look at it probably differently than the average person. I look at what <laughs> the angle. What you the, look at what? I look at the angle. So the it, angle, meaning you're already questioning what, what's the scheme? Well, basically. Okay. So. If I read a newspaper article, I'm going, okay, here's what they said. Here's what's probably happening in the well, back. Yeah. I didn't say that. So Look, you can't believe anything you read in the newspapers anymore. So that's fine. So, I mean, when, when COVID hit, I got emails from places about how safe they were and how you should come and patronize our business because we really care about you. And, you know, everybody got these emails because every company was trying to capitalize on how great we are. We're, we're wiping on the shelves now, but we never wiped them before, but we're wiping them now. So I got an email from my um, electric supplier and they wanted me to donate money to their charity called Operation Help. And they wanted me to donate money for the charity so they could help people. All sounds great, but I thought about it. Why do I have to donate money to help your charity so all the money you're donating comes from not you? But you get the accolades, you get the glory, you get. Are they matching? No, they're not matching anything. They're just asking us as customers (laughs) to donate. Well, you know what? This is this is farm aid. 
right? This is because this is exactly what I would always wonder. Remember when they were doing Farm Aid? Yes. Uh, and it was the same deal where you had all of these multimillionaire rockers who were showing up. They they were donating their time to give this concert, but then they're having they're basically there was never really any pledge officially by any of these fabulously wealthy entertainers. It was please call in now we have people manning the phones and give me your let granny give the $15 that she was going to spend on cat food or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> um, is there any, is there any large sum of money that's coming from the performers? So no. it's kind of the same idea. It's like, well, wait a minute. You're yeah. the ones that have, again, I would have liked it better. or I would have understood, stood it a little bit better if, if they said, listen, all the bands that are part of this are already committing, you know, whatever a million dollars, like, okay. And we want you to, we want you to build on to that and whatever we come total up, we'll match it or whatever. If sure. it's just reaching out to your electric consumers and saying, Hey, please give some money for this good cause. Yeah. That sounds a little ridiculous. That, that, that's what I thought. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I get to give you the money that you then get to donate and get the PR stunt out of it. That doesn't seem right. So I, well, here's, here's an idea, Chad, since yeah. it's an electric company, how about, you just provide, I'm assuming what it is, is that they want to help people afford exactly. uh, heat in the winter. How yeah. about you don't bill them for a couple of months? That I, might be an idea. That was my exact response to my wife. I said, They're, they want to give money towards their electrical bills. They want me <laughs> to pay for somebody else's electrical bills when they provide the electricity. Right. So, yeah, that's that's kind of classic. Well, that so that made me think, is there anything else out there where you've come across in your life where – they're trying to get you to fund their charitable endeavor and they're putting nothing other than asking you to fund their charitable endeavor. And I don't know if there's sometimes you get in the grocery store and they're asking you for money for who knows what, would you like to donate a dollar to such and such? They never really tell you if they're donating anything. Sometimes they are. And sometimes they aren't. Well, that doesn't really bother me so much because again, it's just one of these, Hey, this is a cause and we're in a place with a public platform. If you want to donate, go ahead. Um, but the electric thing, that, that's, that's pretty brazen. I mean, that, that's like, you know, that's like a Mr. Burns kind of thing. That's like a Simpsons episode. It, it was. So I'm glad you didn't beat me up too badly about that. No, I, again, it would be different if it was, Hey, listen, uh, we're implementing a three month moratorium on electric bills for low income families. And we're also going to, you know, let, let's say set, either pay this back to them or use this as credits in their accounts for any additional monies that people want to contribute. Okay. I could kind of, I could kind of get that meaning that the company uh, has some skin in the game, but it's just, Hey, help us out with our charity, which is you. Uh, so please give us some money so that we can then have you pay for the electric bills that we're not willing to or have no. someone else not pay for. Yeah. <laughs> we want our money. So we're just reaching out to you as right. a charitable contribution. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Um, and I, so, I, so wait, your wife disagreed? She thought that you were being a curmudgeon? Well, she just assumed that there was some... My wife likes to think, and I, I love her for this, she likes to think that everybody's doing it for the right reasons. She's that pie in the sky. There's always a positive. If somebody cuts me off in traffic like Tony, it's because they had a bad day. I would never cut you off in traffic. You would be so far ahead of me. You'd never That's have correct. I don't, I don't need to cut people off in traffic, <laughs> but she, she believes the best in everybody and there's no ulterior motive from anyone. And when I brought this up, she goes, you need to talk to Tony about that because I don't want to hear it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what it came up. 
Uh, what, right or wrong, she does. She always turns to me. I think I've said this before in the show. She'll turn to me and say, when are you talking to Tony next? I said, what do you mean? Because you're you're very animated about these topics. And like you get it out of your system and you're good for a while and then right. talk again. It's, it's <laughs> cathartic. This is very cathartic, Chad. Apparently that's how she feels feels about it. And I, I don't disagree. So that's all. Anything you wanted to add? No, I think uh as usual, we have done quite enough. Okay. Uh if anybody has any questions or any comments about anything. If there's any uh, management level electrical company uh, employees that are wounded by our reaction to the uh, fun drive P please call in explain yeah, yourself me, yeah please let me if i if i've mischaracterized that please let me know the email was that's what i got from the email if there was more information i didn't bother to go click through it because i was offended by the email in the first place so maybe i was incorrectly offended maybe i was correctly offended i don't know uh but if you've got something else like that in your life that you've seen let us know because I'd, I'd love to hear uh from other listeners about what they think is a little bit uh, shaky and and uh, sketchy in, in life. So that's all I got, Tony. Uh, I'm all finished. All right, we'll leave it at that. Thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.